the investment part of it is a small part of what we do. So we dig deep in the psychological side of it because there's a lot more than having enough money to retire. You're going to get bored real fast. And uh, the worst thing you do in retirement is being bored. You have enough money to do what you want in most cases. So let's figure out what that looks like. You know, a client that we started working with about 12 years ago and y'all recently, you know, kind of sold that business. I, I think he did it really right. <laughs> he's pretty damn happy. I mean, he's, 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 he, I mean, he's the happiest I've seen him. Every business that I've seen get acquired either through you or through another seller or whatever, there's always opened opportunities for the employees. Even, even the banks I've worked with and I think everyone I've worked with has gotten, you know, acquired at some point. But I can tell you where I am today and being able to start my own business was because some banks got acquired. I probably wouldn't have made that leap, honestly, because, you know, I had a goal. I was retiring at a certain age and, you know, hey, my plan was work and stuff like that. I would have probably never started. And it's been one of the biggest wealth builders for me. And it's also allowed me to take my clients to the next level. Welcome, everyone, to episode two of Next Life. Uh, the episode today I think is going to be front and center with a lot of business owners. It's about money and wealth, which we all like and is a big part of our life. Uh, specifically in the context, we're going to try to answer the questions of how do you handle the wealth in your business today? And more importantly, how do you figure out uh, how much to sell your business for, for the exit that you ultimately will definitely do one day? Uh, the guest today I have is Rodney Hiroko, a CEO and owner of Four Life Wealth Advisors. It's a leading wealth management firm based out of New Bronzeville. Rodney brings a wealth of experience to the table. He's carved out a long, successful career in wealth management field. The journey took him from building a wealth management firm for a large regional bank to ultimately establishing his own firm. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with Rodney on several occasions with his clients uh, to help them create a plan in context of what I'm doing with Next Life to help owners figure out their next life and their exit. And then Rodney does a good job of helping them with the financial side of that. I also believe uh, he does a real good job of simplifying the complex uh, thing of, of financial planning because that can be very complex. So but it doesn't have to be. So welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Um, I thought maybe we get a little bit of background for the, the listeners about you and where you came from. Okay. Not the formal, just read every line of a bio, just sort of how you got to the wealth management world. Okay. So I started in wealth management in 1992, kind of stumbled in my way into it. Uh, was working for a regional bank at that point. Uh, they had a brokerage opening. I kind of stumbled my way in there looking for a job and they hired me and it was kind of like, drinking from my fire hose because the manager that, that hired me uh, went on maternity leave and never came back. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn very quickly right, wrong, and, you know, different concepts of investing and how that worked and what the equity market was, what the bond market was. From there, went on to uh, work for another regional bank that we basically built out the program. I uh, started there in 99. 
I built it to basically a billion dollars in assets before I left and went out on my own and with a couple other partners and eventually landed up at For Life, which I own 100% myself. And, you know, our, our concept is, you know, how do you how do we simplify it for the client? How do we make it so when the business owner comes and talks to us, either pre-sale or after sale or in that transition, you know, what does that look like? Um, you know, because the client, you know, that person has grown their money, grown their assets, and now they need to figure out, okay, what do we do now, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and how do we set it up for the sale? So we're real good about taking that. They've made the widget, and now we can figure out how do we take the funds that they have, grow them for us, you know, either, you know, pre-sale where they're setting up a 401k plan because, they, hey, they're at that transition, or they're at the point where, hey, how do we set it up for the sale, and what does it look like when we when we exit? What do we do with our money? Mm-hmm. Because it's a big question, because while the business owner does does well what they do and like I tell them I couldn't do your job if it's oil field trucking if it's whatever mm-hmm. they do well we can't do that but I can't tell you how we positioned your money well let's talk about that from a standpoint of just broadly about wealth and, and money I mean I know you and I share a lot of those views and I know your firm does I mean I always thought of it as money as comfort and security you know first and foremost but then sort of how do you want to live your life with with whom and where sort of immediately comes front and center. Now, sometimes that's in the context of the business that you now own or sometimes that's, but you know, I, I think generally that's certainly the way I think about it. You know, how do, how do you think about it? How do you think your, your clients think about it? You know? Well, you know, as far as a firm, you know, we're looking at it as, you know, the, the investment part of it is a small part of what we do, you know, because that's pretty much a, commoditized asset out there where you can find managers that manage the money well, you know, place it with them. You have index funds now. You know, the ETF world has changed the investment side of it. It's how does that, what is the risk factors of the client and what do they value? What are they looking for in life, you know, and from the standpoint of what does retirement look like for them? You know, mm-hmm. if they do decide to retire. So we dig deep in the psychological side of it because there's a lot more than having enough money to retire. It's more about, hey, what am I going to do on day one to retire? What yeah. am I going to do on year, day 365? What am I going to do in 10 years? Because retirement can get very uh, monotonous and boring. Well, and scary for them. I mean, that's it's a lot of scary. what I find when I talk to them about finding a next life. And the fact that it's scary to them to to think that something's over. That's what I try to convey to them is nothing's over. It just transfers to something else. But that's a hard concept. It really is because if you have if you have a business owner that's been in the business, owned the business, built it up for 40 years, and now all of a sudden, hey, you know, they know they have 365 days that they're still going to be employed by them, but they're really not in control. And they realize that about day two of exiting their business. But then day 365 comes up and they look at, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. And that's what we try to coach them to is, okay, this is what retirement looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. And it isn't necessarily sitting around on your sofa watching TV all day. We got to get you in activities. We got to get you involved. And the business owner is scared to death of that. Well, that was my, one of my next questions too. Why do you think it is that entrepreneurs, I, I, I know I did, we think of financial planning and money from a wealth management in such a different way than the normal people that have a nine to five job. I, I, it's just, it's, it's, it's something that I find same that I find when I go through them on the next life and 
talking about an exit, it, it's it's foreign to them, and it's almost scary to them. And then simple things like you and I've talked about and witnessed, because they don't understand the concept that the money that they transfer from their business, their money can make money enough for them to. I mean, and I and they're not dumb people at all, but it's just a different mindset it's really different mindset where a nine to five person knows they have a check coming every week they plan for retirement they're doing the calculation a business owner because usually 90 percent of their wealth is tied up in the business so they haven't had to worry about hey how much money do i need they know if they work hard they get the right employees they build a business up they're going to make a living Mm -hmm. and but then it's like okay now we got to exit what do we do and how do we make money? So they really don't understand the whole concept of, hey, we're going to earn interest. We're going to earn dividends. We're going to get capital appreciation on other people's equity in business and our equity in business. And explaining that concept is very, uh, I mean, eye-opening for them, I would say. You know. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, and it, it's, it, it's just a new world for them. I try to tell them sometimes it's like, you know, you have employees and your employee goes out and make money. You know, your money can make money. But I think a lot of it is a lot of them don't have other money anywhere else to have ever witnessed that. Yeah. I mean, maybe they have a, and I mean, I know we've seen that in clients, a few clients, you and I've worked together. It's like they have some money set aside, but in context to the the big picture, not at all. No, <laughs> I mean, most of their wealth, I mean, they may have a home, a nice home. They may have some other properties, but having the wealth to really invest like they need income for, it's not there. I mean, the, the biggest, uh, you know, flow of money they ever have is when they sell that business. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they have this influx of money. They have it sitting there and they're like, oh, they just wired that money into my checking account. What does tomorrow look like? Because I may have a little paycheck coming from, but it's nothing like I was expecting. And what do I do now with that money? How do I live my life so that I don't run out of money? And that's a scary thought. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's scary. Entrepreneurs by nature are control freaks. And we all are. And, and, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but that control factor does go away a bit when you give up this widget and you go hire a firm such as yourself to, there's some trust involved. There's a whole bunch of things uh, because you're giving up that one widget. And I think that's a, a big part of it. You know, yeah. Plus just not of experiencing something, you know? Yeah. I and mean, we always use that concept of, of nobody cares what you know till they can trust you. And once they can trust you, that's the biggest thing because, you know, they're turning their money over to us. And, you know, the media has scared the heck out of everybody. And they're like, oh, God, is he going to, is he going to really, what's he going to do with my money? You know, and it's not the investments themselves. It's the concept of, you know, where does their money go? Is the money going to be there so that they can live the rest of their lives and their wives live the rest of their lives and they don't ever have to worth money. So we have to really invest time and our, our time into making sure they feel comfortable with what we're doing and make sure they trust mm-hmm. us and make sure that, hey, we don't ghost them. We're there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're calling them every month and making sure that they understand what exactly is going on and that they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think sometimes, too, they think of it as more cumbersome, more complex. It's certainly something they don't understand a lot of times just because they've not been exposed to it. Just just like the sale process. I mean, Correct. they don't they don't know what they don't know. Same with the money management. So I think that's certainly a factor as well. Uh, well, you know, I know we walked walked them through and we've done this together of how what is enough. You know, so maybe we can kind of talk a little bit about how we 
get that to that number. You know, I try to get from from my side of it before we sort of transfer it to you to say is is that really enough? Is you know to get them to give me three numbers seems to work fairly well. Although it becomes chicken and egg. Yeah. You know, it becomes there's a low number that you wouldn't never take any less than that. There's a medium number that's probably pretty good, and then there's a hell yeah number that I'll take tomorrow. And I find when I can get those three numbers, now the challenge I always have is, well, I guess I get comments like, I guess that depends on what it'll sell for. And and then I have to come back. But in their defense, I think they need to really analyze that. And and so I know your your firm does a good job of doing that. And so, you know, I kind of like the, what is the, the needs and wants buckets you sort of take them through. Why don't you yeah. talk about that? So, so let's bit. talk about that. You know, everybody has needs. It's your basic needs. It's your housing, your food, um, you know, things that you actually have to cover every month. No matter how much money you have, that's what you have to cover. And we break down that concept to, okay, what is the rest of your life live? Come up with, you know, an average maturity when they're going to pass away, when the wife is going to pass away, how much money do they need to really cover those needs? And, you know, looking at, Hey, do you need have any medical issues, things like that, that could come into play at the end. So that's kind of the needs bucket. And I make sure that, you know, we cover that and how much money does it take? So we go through the exercise of, if you have this much money, this will be enough to cover the medical bills, the food bill, the light bill so you won't ever have to worry about that because the thing you want them to really feel that's in the need bucket that's in a need bucket Mm -hmm. that is there it has to be there we have to put enough money in that bucket to cover those needs okay so that's the first step in anybody selling the business okay and that's still not the low number because they still have wants and the (laughs) wants is i want to travel in europe for a month or two or whatever every year i want to go hunting on some exotic you know, trip. I want to take my kids. I want to do whatever. You know, that's the once bucket. And what I tell everybody is the needs bucket is going to be covered every year. The once bucket, it can get big or small, depending on how much money we get for the business and then how much money I make you over the, our firm makes you over the long term. So, you know, getting that concept down to them on day one really helps them get into that bottom number. Because we want to make sure that we cover the needs, and then we cover most of the wants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The middle number is, hey, we're covering. Well, and I find, I mean, in my own experience, I mean, once you, you know, you leave the world of a all intensive business ownership of sixty hours a week or more. Sometimes you have time, and time, you know, you're you're generally you know dynamic and usually in decent health, and time equals spend. And that's the whole reason you did it. So, you know, you have to make that bucket realistic, I believe. Oh, I think so. Because, you know, I tell everybody is, is let's, let's, I make them write it down on paper. Once needs, let's write it down. Let's make it simple. Let's talk to your spouse because she may have different wants and needs than you have. We got to figure out what you're going to do. What does your life look like? If it's a man or woman or whatever, you know, we got to break that down and make sure that we cover those bases because you are going to have 40 to 70 hours, maybe even 80 hours that you didn't have before. <laughs> and no yeah. waking hours. It's not like you're sleeping during those hours right. and we don't want you sleeping. So, you know, and, and, and usually it's the A personality. You know, it's the driven person that started that business. Sure. They failed a few times. They got up, they brushed it off. You know, and some of the guys would go like, okay, maybe you need to go do consulting work or maybe you need to do this because you're going to get bored real fast. And that, the worst yeah. thing you do in retirement is being bored. And that's why we work through that concept of needs, wants, how much money do you need? But also get them to understand that, you know, that's just a number. Now we got to figure out what we're going to do with that money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one of the really 
cumbersome thing is, is, is now we have all that money and they look at it in a statement and they're seeing that money. And it's very different because a business goes up or down in <laughs> value. It's a good point. <laughs> and they, they never really. Yeah, you, you know, don't, you don't, I mean, it's easy to write it. This is what I tell them on the valuation side. You know, I've had times, well, you know, when, when I, re, they don't, few of them don't really want to seem interested. I'm like, well, why would you not want to know? I mean, but the reality of knowing it's still a range and it's it, knowing is when someone pays you for it. Correct. Correct. Because we <laughs> put whatever, anybody put whatever value they want on that business. And, right. you know, most of the owners, they don't really have a concept. They may have some ballpark figure that they want it to be worth, but is it really worth that? It's only worth what somebody will pay you for. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we come into what is their number, then we have to look at, is it realistic? Yes. Yeah. Can, can you, can Gary get you this? Yeah. Number? And that's something, you know, that, that is so critical, but I, I really like the concept of having them do that independently. Now you and I've had this, we've worked together on clients and it does become chicken and egg and somewhat I do understand their concept of, Oh, I guess it'll depend on what it sell. But you know, the thing I try to sell them is look, you know, you've built this, there is a number that would excite the hell out of you. Now what that number is doesn't mean it's going to be worth that. Correct. But hey, let's start there. You know? Yeah. Cause everybody got to start with a number. You know what I mean? Cause if you don't start, if you don't know what your number is and we don't know what you're looking for and we don't know if it's realistic. And a lot of those guys, I mean, diving into the, the minutia and the needs bucket. I mean, I know a lot of your clients, you've sort of, you'll take their checking account. You tell me and look at their checking account, but I would think with owners, a lot of times they know that they know what, like, like me, you could have asked me what my water bill is. And I don't know. But I know what the big number is. <laughs> you know what you spend every month. You know how much credit cards are. You know the big number. And most people know that big number. Now, in retirement, the needs change a little bit. Yeah, why don't you talk about, I think it's interesting, the studies you and your firm and the, the resources you have about the age brackets. I found that interesting. Oh, about the spending habits of the yeah, age yeah. brackets? You know, the younger you are, you're going to spend more money. So when you're talking about, hey, what does it cost to live in retirement? The inflation factor really comes into play for the first Let's say you reach somebody retires at 60 years of age, sells the business, we sell it for X, and they say, hey, we can live on this amount of money. And we have more than we need, so we know we're going to create extra income. Well, what we have to factor in is, is what is the inflation rate and what does the future look like? So mm-hmm. for the first, from age 60 to about 78, that cost is going to go up tremendously. Once you hit about 78 to 80, that cost goes down. And, you know, most projections, they just continue to grow at 3%. And most guys are going like, I'm going to be spending that much. Well, not really, because you're going to slow down lifestyles. The need you can't bucket, go to Europe and and and, and uh, go high diving and all that at 80. Correct. correct. <laughs> Very few people can. There are some that can. But right. most people, when they hit that age, the once bucket really, really drops off. Okay. So we build that into the concept about what they really need. So let's say from 80 and, you know, we do planning out to 102 now. Okay. Well, because yeah, we've raised that, you know, be honest with you, because people are living longer. We're dealing with you know, professionals that tend to live a little longer, you know, they healthier, they go to the doctor more. So we plan on that. So from 80 to let's say 95, you know, mm-hmm. cost goes down. Now the last three years, it spikes up because of healthcare needs, long-term care mm-hmm. needs, about 70% of the people need some type of end of the life type of uh, planning and, you know, cost goes through the roof real fast. You spend more the last three years than you probably spent in the last, you know, 30 years of retirement if you're retired 
for 30 years. So mm-hmm. that has to all be built into the plan. Built into the model. Yeah, and, yeah. We, and we use a thing called eMoney and Money Guide Pro to basically build that out. We can project in there. We can have things that like vacations that they do for 20 years with, you know, projections out there, how they grow. Some years they spend more, some years they spend mm-hmm. less. And then, you know, costs going down for 10 years and then costs going up at the end. And that's a really neat concept because that'll help us build how much money they really need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Sure. Well, and this is just kind of a philosophical question that I just sort of thought to myself that I've wondered, how much do you think, like, I think of myself as a good example, you sell and you invest the money and it's, getting returns and then you know i'm 58 how much do you think inflation really because i i I wrestle with how much i should care about inflation or not and the reason i wrestle with that is because i'm like my kids are out of college you know some of the normal inflationary items i'm not gonna see because i've I've already got an asset you know do you think i mean i struggle with what to peg that number in my own projections at you know, and, and is it relevant to me, but more relevant, obviously, to someone else. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's relevant to everybody, especially, I mean, we went through this period of time about 20 years where there really was no inflation. Nobody yeah, wanted not. to talk about. I mean, there was inflation, but it was not hitting us as individuals and retirees as individuals. I mean, there were some medical costs, but food was staying pretty level. You know, gasoline fuel was staying pretty level. What we've had the last two years is food was hit. Mm-hmm. medical stuff, stuff that hurts people in retirement. It makes that once bucket get much more costly. Yeah. So if we yeah. don't plan on that once bucket going up enough, that's where it can be detrimental. And the business owner is looking at us going like, hey, we didn't plan well. Well, let's let's talk about this. So we set inflation usually about 3.5% to 4%, depending on the client, depending on- Yeah, and I think, I mean, just, just the outsider looking in i always think i don't really understand that like leaving energy out and food you know of the calculation which is a lot of what you spend yeah you know yeah when you talk when you talk about the way the you know government does that the cpi report things like that it really is a little bit of mind-boggling about you know what are they including what are they not including because most people's major cost is food and fuel (laughs) Yeah. Bottom line, because they have their house paid for, they're paying their taxes or paying their insurance. But even that, even the insurance side of it goes up. I mean, taxes pretty much on the house stays the same after you hit a certain age. But, you know, the insurance costs and things like that and the food costs is real. Oh, insurance this year alone is yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, my homeowners doubled. Yeah. No, I mean, everybody <laughs> did. And everybody's sitting there going like, what the heck just happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, but when you get disasters and you get things, insurance companies raise costs. And that's something that it's very, very hard to plan for, you know? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, there's some other things that are going down in cost. But you're right. You know, when you look at an individual that's retired, they're not buying a new home. So they don't really don't care what home cost does. <laughs> right. You know, right. if they're buying a home, they're selling their home, they're probably glad it inflated in price mm-hmm. so they can sell it. Maybe they downsize. Maybe they move to retirement. Whatever their goal is there. But the food and, and energy costs are the major factors that affect them in the medical one. Those three medical factors. Medical, too, I would think. Yeah, so. medical. And medical. It's just, it always goes up and never goes down. It never goes <laughs> Same down. Same with insurance. Yeah, and you're looking at it growing at, you know, 6 7% some years. And that's a true cost. And it's like when you're in retirement, the money you have is what you live on. So you mm-hmm. have this basket of money that you have to try to figure out how to stretch out your years. I know. You know, it's amazing because I sit and do my wife calculation of living to 98. I don't know how long she's going to live, but I'll say, and she's younger than myself, but not that much. And I go, 
you know, that's a long time. And when you do that properly, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, somebody somebody that retires, and let's say they they need a six figure, let's say they need $100,000 to retire on day one, they're 60 years old. We know that we have to double that by the time they're 80. Now, then that cost goes Just down. from inflation Just alone. Just from inflation alone. And people miss that calculation, don't they? They miss that Every calculation. Time. They don't get that. When they look at me, they kind of glaze over. So this is what I do. I back them up 20 years. And I said, okay, today is 2024. <laughs> Let's look at 2000 and see what you're living at. What was your couch worth? Worth, what were you paying for food and kind of just do sort of, it sort of gets in their head then huh? it does you do a reverse budget and ask them how much they were making back in 2000 and what they made on the last three years of the business running or whatever they had out there and that really is mind-boggling for them because they go like wow inflation mm-hmm. is true so that's what really opens your eyes so i say okay what do you think is gonna happen in the next 20 years and they're like oh it's going to continue to go up yeah. the cost. Yeah, has it ever went down? <laughs> no, it hasn't. I mean, you know, we, we better hope it doesn't because that's called a deflationary environment. And then we have all kinds of problems on top of, you know, hey, you're not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So everybody has to be aware of, you know, what they really need. And, you know, working with somebody like our firm, our team, we build those concepts out so that a business owner, you know, how deep do you want to dig in that? And some clients are like, no, I just want to know the basics. How much do I need? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, that's fine. We'll do everything in the back room. We'll work that out. We'll make sure. And then they're like, I don't even really care where it's invested. You take care of that. I said, yeah, okay. Yeah. So my goal here is like, I always live by the concept. I don't want my clients to ever run out of money. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I live by that concept. We work by that concept. If they will follow our, our trend line and what we ask them to do. And, you know, some years it's like, hey, you can fill all the ones bucket. You can do everything you want. But it's performance. And I think that's such a key that I know you believe in. I've practiced and we've had a lot of deep conversation. You and I just about investments in general is they don't really understand that that's a moving target. I mean, it it is a moving target no matter it because I've seen these planners. Some of them will just say it's this percentage and this and then forget about it. Well, that's not really true because every year, you know, it changes. Yeah. And the way I view it, and, and I know you do as well, is, you know, you, some years you can do, you know, we've done really well, so there's a little more money to spend. And then some, and I, I've brought that up with a few other financial, and they sort of poo-poo it. They'll say, you know, well, you know, that's just time in the market, and you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do that? Us as owners, we've always had to do that. Right. I had to figure out how many caps to have in inventory and to sell and not, and that was an integral part of every, every day. Yeah. So I I don't see why that has to be part of it. Yeah, if the market went straight up, it'd be easy. But the problem is interest rates go down, interest rates go down, the market goes up and down. You know, day to day, you really, you got to look at it and say, okay, what can we do? So what we try to do with our clients is get in a budget, you know, a budget at the beginning, and then look at, okay, how much of the wants can we do every year? And if they follow that concept, they're going to be fine. And I know you've said there's been some before you're like, hey, Hey, you're, you're, you're dipping in way too deep and you know, you got to sort of, which I think the role and you and I've talked about this as well. I think the role of a financial planner or wealth manager, a big, most important part is just keeping you protected from yourself a bit. You know? that, that is exactly it because there are guys, people I call in and, you know, we look at their stuff and we go like, if you keep on this trend, you're going to run out of money. And you've hired me to make sure that you have enough funds to live on. Mm-hmm. And I take them back to day one of, hey, you said you were going to live on X, and now you're living on 30% more. We're only in year three. 
and inflation hasn't been 30%. So mm. we need to revisit this, and it's either going to last less years, and you're going to run out of money at the end, or you need to slow down your spending habits and get them to really look at their budget. Where can they cut? What can they do uh, differently that they didn't really plan on? And sometimes, you know, it's it's you can't really do it a whole lot because they had unexpected expenses, medical costs, things like that that grew in. But they know, hey, over the next few years, I'm going to slow down. And, you know, the biggest problem with it is, is when somebody retires, if you have a really down market, interest rates are very low and you have a down market for the first three years, that can hurt somebody tremendously. Mm -hmm. And then we just really have to revisit the plan about, okay, what does this look like going forward? You probably need to adjust your spending habits. And it's real hard. I mean, just like nobody wants to take a cut pay at, at work. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. And it's very tough for me to deliver that news. But as a financial planner, you have to, you have to. Because if you're not, you're not doing your job because you just can't let people run out of money. You know what I mean? Because when they're standing there and they don't have any money, what are it's they going to do? It's your fault too. It, it always is. Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault yeah. if they ran out of money. You, you, you took on that responsibility of, hey, I'm going to make sure you don't run out of money, but I didn't do my job because I didn't coach you along the way. So we have a lot of responsibilities, a lot more than people really realize. And people even in our industry don't realize. And sometimes they don't take seriously because a lot of people get into the market and they, or they get in the industry, they get licensed and they like the market only goes one direction up because it does that for five or six years. Yeah. And they think interest rates are always this and they never go up. Well, last year was a good example. You know, Fed went, just raised rates. Interest rates went from basically zero to 5% overnight. Mm -hmm. And our bond, bond values, the first time we lost, saw bonds lose actual money since right. like a long time, since like right. 94 or something. And you're going like, okay, what does that look like? What do I do differently now? How do I make sure we recoup this money? And what does the client need to do to be able to make sure they have enough money? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that, that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, clients don't really understand that a lot of times mm -hmm. because they know, hey, I gave you these millions of dollars. What happened? Well, another thing I always see now is, you know, when you factor the inflation and things in, what you think was a lot of money is less money now than you, you know, even something as simple as 100000 a year and a million dollars is not anything like it used to be. No, I mean, it used to be when I started in the industry, we, we said if somebody retired between five hundred and seven or fifty thousand dollars they're gonna have a great retirement probably we could do you know what needed to keep them up and let's say then it was fifty thousand dollars a year you know we could do that because they had social security maybe a pension plan and hey all we did do is make them money mm -hmm. off the top to cover their wants nowadays you want to have a six-figure income it's mm -hmm. going to take you a million and a half dollars to make sure that money lasts because they don't have the pension they have a social security check coming in but we're going to delay that so what does that look like it just takes a lot more money because the cost of everything i mean that house they bought in you know 1990 that cost them and that's dipping into the principal that's just saying you're going to live a certain amount of years that's right that's yeah, just that's having taking enough. the principal down that's having enough i mean they're not down with any no that's don't don't come to me and say hey i want to leave my kids a million dollars and i have and I a million and a half yeah exactly <laughs> and i want to live on it for 30 years not going to happen you know so so we're like clients are having to put off that either the year they retire our expectations and take a little more or less out you know mm -hmm. because people are living longer i mean medical um Advances, kept, yeah, 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 advances have kept us alive for a lot longer, which is good and bad. Yeah, you know? yeah, because sometimes that last part is not life worth living anyway. You know? Yeah, I mean, a nice part of that, when you look at Social Security, when it was started, the average person died at 62, and you couldn't take it until 65. So the government had a yeah, great they, plan. Yeah, they know you're going to die not 
Yeah. Keeping it Never all. Never collect it. Now you look at it and average age for a male is about 78, woman's 82. So you're living in retirement a lot longer. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk about something that I know is always an issue with owners and certainly was myself. And it, it's not a, a knock per se, but it's the risk concentration piece that they just, I mean, I know my own self. I didn't fully get that until I actually exited the business. And then I really, I guess maybe it was investing the money myself, investing with you, sort of seeing it, you go, wow, that was a lot of risk concentration that I didn't fully appreciate. You know, now I have some theories on, you know, we're control freaks as general nature entrepreneurs certainly are. And it's hard for us to listen to anyone. Let's just face it, even the people that, know what they're talking about, but I think that that's some of it. Uh, but you know, that, that seems to be an issue with all of them that they, they, and I know you run into that. Yeah. I mean, when you have a high concentration of anything and you know, 90% of your net worth is tied up in a business, which it's usually that high. No, it is. It is. That's, you know, usually have a home. They may have some money in a checking account. They may have a mutual fund somewhere, but 90% of their money is tied up in that business. So as long as they're running a business, it's running good. It all works out well. But the problem is, is Everybody gets older and everybody slows down a little bit and the business change. And, you know, as I would say is what's the best time to exit your business? It's when you're making the most money. Yeah, and that's what we tell. We always say, you know, exit on the way up, not on the way down and exit with a little gas in the tank. I mean, we tell owners, listen, you know, do you think someone wants to buy something at the top and right before the fall? No, A, they don't want to do that. B, they're a lot of times very astute in figuring that out, you know, so you, you, you absolutely, you have to, you know, yeah. this, I always think of Warren Buffett. It, it influenced my own decisions. Like, well, how'd you get rich? Well, I always sold two cents, you know, yeah. which is obviously not true. Yeah, correct. Correct. <laughs> Cause you've gotten very wealthy by doing that. Uh, you know, and the thing about the business owner is, is they know the dips come. They don't know when it's going to happen, but they always see more growth coming down the road till it's not coming anymore. And it's <laughs> yeah. a nice way to put it. So maybe they don't, maybe they don't have to exactly hit that high point, but they need to do it on the way up. It's what it amounts to. And everybody has a fear. Did I sell too early? Well, it really doesn't matter if you hit your number, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you, that's exactly right. I mean, does it really matter if, Hey, that guy went and resold it, you know, five years later and he made another million dollars. No, it doesn't because I got my money out. I got five years of enjoyment out of it. Hey, and I'm living a pretty good life because I don't have that stress out. You know, it's like you tell me all the time, you have three ways to exit the business and it's, it's sell, you know, die. And what's the third one? What do what you, what do you, the three things, three, three ways you exit a business that you always say is die at your desk. I can't remember the third. One I can't either. I, mean, I was like yeah. sitting here. I was thinking about, I, I don't remember the third. Oh, one. your kids take it over. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The kids take it over. We, kids we take it over. But yeah. that, and that usually doesn't work by the way. No, I mean, I mean about, <laughs> about 75% of those or, or higher or higher fail in the first three years in the third generation. Definitely. It fails is what it amounts to because they don't have the, they don't have the concept of what well, and the built. risk. I mean, I know I have set with clients, one in particular comes to mind, you know, certainly remain nameless, but he was 78 and he wanted to give it to his son. His son was not up to par of what he thought, but then he was going to finance it for him. And then you really say, well, the risk factor didn't change. It actually increased because now, you know, 100% depended on both of you. Correct. 
you're financing. And that's what I told him. I said, what if you just kept the 20 million and gave junior whatever you want to give junior? It doesn't really matter. It's up to you. Then, and then, you know, then everyone's hedged, you know? Uh, so I, I think that risk factor is so great that now, you know, I don't know that there's a, I mean, you do, it is how you get very wealthy is leveraging something. I always think of my own analogy is when I was young, I mean, it wasn't that hard. I didn't have anything. So when you, when you're 24 and you keep upping the ante and there's really not a lot to lose, but as we have both seen, when you get 50, when you get there, you've owned a business 30, 40 years. There is real value there if it's exercise, but only if it's exercise. Well, we all know that the business owner is the biggest risk taker out there. And he doesn't <laughs> yeah. even realize how much risk he's taken on. Oh, and, never. You know, but to be able to get wealthy and grow a business like that, you have to be willing to take that risk. Mm -hmm. Because you're the, you're the one responsible making sure every employee gets paid, making sure they, you know, they're everything's safe and everything's running good and the rent's paid and there's nobody knocking on the door. It's, it's all on the business owner, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe there's two partners, but it's still on the business owners is what it is. So, you know, to be able to do that, you have to be able to take some risk. And how many times do you want to gamble? You know, mm -hmm. you start out, you're 24, you know, hey, if it fails, oh, well, I'll go Whatever. start another one. You know, right, it's, right. it's okay. By the time you hit 64, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that because you're looking at it, and if you really do evaluation, you realize how much you have on the line, you probably wouldn't do it. But how many people do we know that went broke at 70? A lot. Still happens. Well, your energy level goes down. I mean, I always say, you know, some of what I did early, if I would have known the odds, it might have scared me a lot, you know. Yeah. And you're just kind of young and dumb and energetic, and, you know, you have more wisdom, which – creates caution too i mean the older you get you i mean i know at least things like skiing and stuff like that you're like hey i break i break easier it's longer to repair so do less you know correct correct and you know, i gotta make sure i'm here to run this business from alive to to enjoy well, what anything change that's what i've seen so yeah. many times you know something out of left field not only health but just industry covid uh you know a lawsuit i mean just just all kind of and you don't want to make it as, you know, I, I talk to owners and not make it a scare tactic. I hate that. That's how they sell insurance. But yeah. you just try to scare the hell out of you. But the reality is there's some truth The business, business world changes. I mean, technology changes, things like that. And if you don't keep up with that and you aren't willing to change, you're eventually going to die out there. I mean, the business is going to die because you can't keep up with the concepts. You can't recruit new talent without, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to change. I'm going to let the talent really run the business because you almost have to back off and create that middle management out there so you can grow the business to the next level or you might as well shut it down or sell it. And we've seen that. I've yeah. seen, you know, where it just becomes stagnant and then it just sort of, it just sort of flutters into decay and then it's gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. and we've also talked to the business owners that to take it to the next level, they were going to have to hire a bunch of middle management. Oh yeah. And, but nobody wanted to manage those middle management because still somebody has or to Or in there. my case, it was incur even more risk. I had a bank line and I needed more capital to execute this plan for which we did with private equity money. But before that, it was if I could have found the money, which was a process that I couldn't B, then it's sign on more than you got, you know, and, and is that really, 
you know, what do you want to keep doing at 50 years old? It's kind of like that chicken before the egg. You know, you got to, you got to go out there and hire those people and do everything before you go sell the product. Mm -hmm. Because if you do it backwards and you sell the product and then all of a sudden you can't deliver, you get a bad reputation, your business falls off. Well, and then let's talk about, you know, that concept in, in the planning that you do and the clients you help is the diversification. I mean, I think, you know, having it to do over again, what I may have done so a lot of things I wouldn't have done different, but I might have really worked a little harder at another bucket of of building another bucket of of money and not betting it each time. I, I think that would be a great concept. Now it's hard for entrepreneurs to do it. Very, very, very hard. It is, but just like you know, we tell the employee out there, you need to, if you save ten to fifteen percent of your income from day one when you start working, you're gonna have a great retirement. The business owner ought to take that same concept. But they roll it back in. They roll it back in. <laughs> they take the minimum they got to take out to basically live whatever lifestyle they live. They roll everything back in and go like, okay, I can grow it more. It can get bigger. And don't really take anything off the table. And and they need to take a little more off the table. They buy real estate or whatever they do. I don't care where they invest it, but they need to start banking some other money. So is that something you'll try to do? Let's say you get an owner. Because – like with our program and, and you've been with our program a lot, we've done this together with people is, you know, I always say there's no wrong answers. There's no answer that says you have to sell today or five years from now. But, you know, the understanding that and planning for that is, is critical. And, and it's another thing, I, but I think sometimes it's a concept that the people get overwhelmed with from a standpoint that's going to take too much time. And it really doesn't have to. I mean, having gone through your program, I wish I would have done it early in my business. And I think I, well, not super early because it was survival. Correct. But, you were trying uh, to get by and pay the bills. But, but you know, mid-level, maybe you could have said, you know, is that something you'll try to do? I know when you catch them long before an exit. Yeah, because what we want to do is, you know, what does that look like on what they take out of the company? And, you know, for a lot of them, it's just setting up a retirement plan. So that, that yeah, I don't even have that. Do I, mean, I? I mean, no, that's the thing is, is I don't even have that. What do you mean retirement plan? What does that look like? I worked at a company that had a 401k one time. Yeah. And I had some, <laughs> I, have, I think I still have some money over there. That's usually their concept, but I'm like, you know, the business owner, they always look at their, the retirement plan, of the 401k is an expense. And I'm like, no, it's an added benefit for you too, because you're going to, we're going to make you automatically save money just like we do your employees. And everybody gets a little bit more loyal to your company. Mm -hmm. The cost is really not that much. You know, when you look at the tax breaks you're getting on this thing and things like that. So you really have to dig deep on that, on that business owner and make him sure he diversifies because the biggest concept, it doesn't matter what age you are, you need to look at if something happens to you, how quick is your wife going to have to sell that business? Mm -hmm. And how long can you operate? And is it liquid? Yeah. Okay, well, it's not liquid. So No. So so she may, does she have enough to sustain her lifestyle uh, long enough for somebody like Gary to step in there and say, okay, we're ready to sell this business. How many buyers are out there? And they all know, hey, the owner passed oh, yeah, away. It's, so yeah, it's a fire sale. It's a fire sale. <laughs> and she's not going to get, she might get 60, she might get 70% of what that company is really worth on a good day. And then is that enough for her to live on? But if you put out this other money, she can buy her time for a while. She can hire a manager to run the company mm -hmm. so that, hey, we can put a sale together so that she ends up a little better off. And that's something to think about, you know, sure, sure. Um, is, you know, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but at the same time, I want them to really look at the diversification side of it. Well, the loss, I mean, when you look at like one of the things I keep on my own investment 
playing is the the loss thing. I mean, to get when you have a fifty percent loss, I mean a hundred percent return. People don't. And of course, if you're concentrating in business, that's that's it's not just it's a everything because there's not even a way to oh I owned Exxon and it went down fifty percent and then I'll just hold it and no 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 it can go all the way down to zero. It can go to zero. Every <laughs> stock can go to zero. That's what I tell everybody because everybody and, and your business can go to zero even quicker. Yes, it can quicker than a stock because oh, absolutely it's illiquid. I, yeah, it's illiquid, and if it's if sales fall off or anything or the industry mainly the industry change or we have something like COVID happen or something like that, and let's say we had another COVID happen, and the government isn't going to come with a bunch of checks to keep you in business. What happens then? Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of businesses go out of business real real fast. So you have to look at. What is the risk of me holding this company long-term? Am I able to sustain it? What is my age? What is my health like? There's a lot that plays into that. You know, first, we've got to make sure it's going to be enough money. But then let's look at the other side of it. And then maybe you don't need as much as you thought you did mm-hmm. to really take that risk off the table. Or maybe you sell a part of the business. Or maybe you start ditching some over here to a, an account even and just yeah. forget about yeah, it. Yeah, let's, let's just build another account. So, hey, if this goes down... I have this money over here that I bucketed away and it's all good because I know I have enough to live on and cover my needs at least, you know, but that's, that's kind of foreign to business owners, you know, because I look at it completely, you know, it's like I'm making this return on this business. It's all doing well. It's done well forever. And even when I go through tough times, I I have, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Until you're not okay. Yeah. Well, the concept of failure, they kind of had to put into another box, Yeah, which, you know, does, you need to do that a lot of times and sheer will is the only thing that gets you through sometimes, but for financial plan. And I think especially, and this is what I try to convey to them is, Hey, you, you're not at the 24 year old startup phase. You're working just the same and that's okay. But now you're 60. Yeah. You know, or yeah. 70. Yeah. And it's like, and they have no concept of what the business is worth a lot of times. And, you know, especially if they have partners, they ought to be going out there and reevaluating that. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we see, especially with partners type saying, is they don't reevaluate it. They have an old buy-sell agreement that they actually put a dollar amount on. And I've seen this. And, and it's so wrong. One of the partner dies, and all of a sudden you had a company worth $20 million, and the wife gets a million dollars out of it. Yeah. And that happens, you know, and is that partner going to go right? I've another seen check? that in the buy sell. And then I've also seen there's no real way for the money to come. Correct. So let's say the business is earning, just pick a number, half a million a year. And the buy sell says it's going to be worth five. Well, there's no way to pay it. No, there's nothing. You know, that's nothing some out. of the hard. Yeah. You know, see, oh, we have a buy sell. Okay. Well, where's the money come from? And to your point. What is the valuation? Yeah, did they did they really fund that buy sell agreement? And is there is there you know there should be either a life insurance policy or some type of payout? The challenge is the funding is always hard. It is because to go out and buy the kind of insurance to really make your valuation, man, that's a, it's expensive. It's and expensive, it's, and you got to be insurable. One thing because you got to be insurable. It's very expensive and almost counterintuitive expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to figure out, okay, how, where does that money come from? If it's 5 million, $10 million, whatever that number is, what does that look like on the payout? How long do we have to pay that back? Where did the money come? Is it going to force us to sell the business as a whole when we're not really ready to sell the business? Why do you think they, that owners, cause I was in that bucket. So I'm, I'm not preaching to anyone just fight that so bad, you know, as a, as a concept to just, I mean, they just put it over here. I mean, I know the complexity is one issue, but, you know, 
I, I don't, I, I think maybe it just my own is it's just more, it's like something can end or it's death and I don't want any part of it. I, you know? I think that it's just like anybody out there. We never want to think about our death. I mean, I have 90 year olds that don't even want to go down and do a pre-planned funeral because they just, I mean, my mom is a good example. She's about 83 and she talking and to you're, her about, and you're like, mom, you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to die mom. And she's like, no, nah, I'm good. Y'all can plan that after I'm dead. And I'm like, Okay. We would prefer now. We prefer now because it'd be easier. Same thing with the business owner. They just think they're immortal. They're never going to die. It's like, yeah. I don't want to think about that because once I think about it, it's going to happen type thing. So I think that's the biggest concept that they have out there that really keeps them from doing the buy-sell agreement, especially funding it because they don't want to think about it. Yeah. 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 I've seen that. Well, also, you know, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but, you know, the importance of retiring to something instead of from something I mean, how do you help them or, or maybe some experience sharing on helping them find that? I mean, I I do a bit of that in, through my Next Life program as well to sort of, you know, and it's questions like, what is your hobbies? And, you know, it's sort of trying to find an interest. But that, that seems to be a struggle for them, too. It, it really is because and what they what you have to really show them is a lot of times the people they hang out with all day is the people they work with. And that, and that and that becomes their friends and their circle, their mm-hmm. social circle and everything else. And like I tell them, you have you have two issues here. Number one, those people are still working for the company. So they can't hang out with you all day long like <laughs> yeah, you want to. They go, can't go play with you. No, nah, they can't go play they, with they you. They don't have the money yet. Exactly. They don't have that. And second is, is is it's it's very difficult when you're you have all this cash and your circle your circle of friends doesn't have the cash. So they can't true, necessarily go true. on the hunt. They can't go play golf every day. They can't do that. Because, I've seen that a lot. Too. But that that happens as people, you know, increase their wealth. That really gets their problem. And I, I know some of my clients, you know, they, they get this money and they go like, we don't have any friends anymore. And it's scary because you think about it, you go like, who, you got to hang out with somebody. Everybody does. You know what I mean? I don't care if you don't like people at all. You still got to have at least one friend in your world. Right. You know, right. So, so that's a difficult so we talk about that. How are you, how are they going to, what's going to be their social circle? What are they going to do? You know? Uh, and then number two, it's just like, what, let's set a goal plan. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do on day one? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do the next day? What are you going to do long-term? What are you going to do volunteer work? You're just going to hang out. Cause you only play golf. When somebody tells me I would yeah. play golf. Oh, well, uh, look at me here. This is a big give back for me. It really is. Cause I fortunate, you know, being in a financial position, not to have to, but you know, my goodness, I'm not a good sit by the golf course. I figured that out myself. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm awful at it. Now, you know now I mean? there doesn't, but I, like I tell you, there's a lot of things to do out there in the world. A there lot is. Of things. There is. Yeah. And we just need to figure that out. You know, if it's travel, let's figure out. But I don't want one thing. This is all I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Because that doesn't ever work. So, because if you can't do, what if you can't do that anymore because of health or whatever? So, let's come up with the five or six items that are really, really, you know, conceivable goals that you have out there that is, you're passionate about, whatever that is. And I don't care what it is. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's put that down. And, and like I say, everybody, you know, kind of like you call your company Next Life. That's what you're really going into. Mm-hmm. The business is behind you. You need to forget about it. Now you're going into what do you, What did you really want to do as a kid that you never got to do? Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to be a fireman, that's a little more difficult if you're 60 years old. Mm-hmm. But if you say, hey, I wanted to do this, maybe I wanted to draw. I wanted to take some art classes. Yeah, or like I did my last guest, he bought a guitar company and he writes songs and that's what he did yeah. as his hobby. That's what I mean. You have enough money to do what you want. 
in most cases. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out what that looks like. You know, do you go volunteer somewhere? Mm-hmm. Do you do this? What What is that out there? Because the business owner as a whole doesn't get involved in things in most cases because they're running their business. That's it. Yeah. What you, you look at my own life and what I see over and over and over, it's your family, your business, and maybe one little hobby. Yeah. But if you're running a growing, very growth-oriented, successful, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, we spend a lot of times in the, in the building process. And then as we go along and we really get to be friends with these clients and, you know, grow a relationship with them about what that looks like and really dig deep because six months, one year, three years are major points in their retirement psychological yeah. side of it, yeah. you know, and everybody yeah. talks about young people and the struggles they have. Let me tell you, it's all walks of life. I mean, I deal with 30 year olds. I deal with 40 year olds. I deal with 50 and 60 and 70 year olds. They all have stress in their life. Well, and the life expectancy thing changes is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, what they, you know, this whole concept and that's what I try to impress on them. And I see it's this whole, it's over and it's, you know, and I think they're, incredibly fearful being stuck in because they are type a they're scared to death of being stuck in front of a tv with a tv tray which they're not going to be anyway they don't even realize their personality's never going to allow exactly exactly you know they're going to be doing something yeah i mean if it's going down the coffee shop visiting with their friends and hanging out doing something i mean business owners are the best retirees in most cases because once they get out of it and their mindset gets out there they realize there's a lot of things that they want to do you know yeah, I mean? yeah, they don't see that at the beginning. They don't have time. No, they don't have time. They don't <laughs> they don't even realize what their dreams and their hopes are and maybe what their spouse's hopes are and dreams are, you know, because they never sit down and do it. Mm-hmm. They just sit there and say, Hey, I know I gotta go to work tomorrow. I know I gotta do X and I gotta sell X and my people have to do this. And that's all they talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I I'll tell you one thing about our company, um, you know, for life. We really make even our young people go out and volunteer. So that they're involved in stuff. And we really encourage them to do mm-hmm. extra stuff so that they get that concept when they're talking to these clients, what else is out there to do? And it's not all about work and it's all right, about that. Right. I want them to be able to understand when they're talking to somebody that's fixing to retire. And we start talking to our clients when they're 40 about mm-hmm. this, you know. So we build on it over time. So like I was talking to one of my clients the other day and they're mid-40s or whatever, have a goal of retiring at 55. And I'm like, okay, 55 is young. Yeah, and, and that's it, a lot of years left to That's a lot of years retirement. I said, what what is that looking like so that we make sure we are in their own goal, you know, but it's like when you retire at 55, we're going to do some consulting work. What are you going to do? What does that look like? And I said, at the next meeting, we're going to dig a little deeper into that. Mm-hmm. Because really and truly, you never can stop, start young enough. And especially for business owners. Because that tells them, hey, when it's time to exit, and it's the value gets there, hey, I already have a plan. And the value yeah, gets there Yeah, I mean, that's okay. what I encourage them. You know, and, and, and you know our plan well, and we've worked together on a lot of it. It's just, it doesn't mean that you have to do something. That's what I tell them. I'm like, look, knowledge is power. It really is. You know, and so it doesn't mean there's... I mean, you can, like I tell a lot of them, you can die at that desk. And if that's your happy, cool place, then go do it. Yeah. You know, and, but the, the same, why planning is, you know, foreign. But I think one concept to get across to the audience here is that it doesn't have to be complex. I mean, you know, I, it's as simple as sitting and talking, right? With yeah. your plan. You don't, it's not, oh my God, I've got to get him every bill and every, 
you know, to where Rodney's going to ask me for, and I just don't have time. I think this is what goes through their mind. Yeah. They say, I don't have time for that. I'll do that later. You know, yeah, it's, it's almost overwhelming. You know, somebody sends them, hey, will you fill this paperwork <laughs> exactly. out? Exactly. Yeah, we have that paper. We have that paperwork. Oh, I know, because you've sent me, uh, we were talking about what to show clients to figure out that number. And, you know, you said, well, I got this. I'm like, oh, no, Rodney, that'll scare the hell out. No, it's got to be three pages. Exactly. <laughs> and I know that. So we've tried to short it down as much as possible. It's a lot better if I could sit down with them with a the yellow sure. pad and just kind of fill just out. Fill just because they're if I, if I sit them down or email them to them, 90% of the time, <laughs> they're not even going to open it. If they oh, open yeah, it, they yeah. go like, or they call me and go like, hey, y'all, your team just sent you this. And I don't even know where to start. I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll We'll go through it when I meet with you. Or let's go over there right now. This is kind of what I need. And they're like, okay. That makes it a lot easier because, you know, the one thing business owners don't like to do is sit down. They won't, and, do, it. They won't I, do it. I used to, you know, the next life questions I walk them through for the self-discovery, I thought, oh, it'd be a great idea for me to email them to them. It was a waste of time. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, it did really you, is. Did you read the question? Nah, I didn't yeah. read them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even business owners, even like when we used to work at the bank and they used to come in for loans and you gave them, hey, you got to fill this out. And they just they look. Just, just say yeah, and, and I was like, okay, bring it to me. I tell the loan officer, bring it to me. I know most of their stuff, their clients are mine. We'll fill it out and we'll go back to them because there's some holes we got to fill in. But they just don't like to do it. You know, because that's actually thinking about what the company's worth, looking at what all their assets are, and it's just overwhelming is what it is. And sometimes it's like, oh, wow, that's what it's really worth. What do I, what am I doing here type thing? So I think really accepting that is very tough for a business owner. Yeah, 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 I, I totally agree. So sort of getting to a wrap up here, do you, do you got any stories of somebody that's done it really well or somebody that's done it really bad that you can share that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the person that does it really well or, you know, one of the stories I have here is, you know, a client that we started working with about 12 years ago and y'all recently, you know, kind of sold that business. I, I think he did it really right. You know what I mean? And now he might have waited a little bit longer, but that's okay because he liked working and he mm -hmm. liked the stress sure. of, hey, I, I th they that, didn't know what else he was going to do. What he he told us. But I can tell you, I talked to him the other day. It's been a year. He's pretty damn happy. I mean, he's, 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 he, I mean, he's the happiest I've seen him. You know what I mean? And his, his, you know, wife is happy. He's happy. The kids are happy. I mean, everything's happy. And then we worked with him for about 12 years. We actually started the retirement plan for him. That's how I first met him and stuff like that. And we talked about that concept from day one about what is our exit plan here. Hey, I want to talk about it a whole lot. Oh, no. Because every, every, every time I brought it up, he changed the subject, and I just kept, hey, dripping on him, dripping on him. And then one day he calls me, he goes like, hey, that guy you know, can, Gary, you know, can you get him in here? Because he was ready, you know what I mean? But till that point. Oh, well, I talked to him three, four, or five times, which is atypical. Yeah. And I have no problem with that because what I don't think people appreciate until you've owned a business a lot of times is, it's a truly monumental decision. This is beyond finance and beyond there's employees, there's family, there's emotions. There's, I built this, my name's on the wall. There's so many things to sort through. Yeah. But yeah. like what I try to tell them is, you know, you, there's no wrong answers. Now not doing anything is a bad plan. It's a bad plan. You know, yeah. and, and I think a lot of business owners, they look at it because the employees become, especially in a smaller business, become, become friends and family to them. Yeah. So they're like, okay, if I sell it, 
What's going to happen to everybody? Mm-hmm. And er- is everybody going to feel like I bailed on them betrayed type them. thing, betrayed them? And, he, he, and then they even get to the point where they're customers because they made promises to these customers. Mm-hmm. And now I'm leaving them and I'm sending them out to somewhere else. And yeah, they all know I'm getting a bundle of money. Are they going to look at me differently? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the answer is no at the end of the day. You know what I well, mean? Well, that's what I tell them, Ronnie. I said, listen, you know, you certainly can reward them with your funds. And I, you know, I did that and you can do that. And that, that's a good thing to do. But at the end of the day, what I tell them is who realistically goes to a company and expects to be there 50 years now? Well, A, and B, if they really have this angst, they will go start their own company. Correct. Correct. So they're there for, you know, the regular paycheck and they, and they're, for them, it wasn't worth taking the risk over here and doing those things. No. And that's okay. Everyone, you know, yeah. as my wife says, has a place and that's a, their place, you know? Correct. And so, but I said, beating yourself up over that is not a good thing. Yeah. Cause I mean, for those employees and the employees that are really driven, you know, it gives them an opportunity to go start their own business. Cause all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Jones out there that sold the business, he's on my competition. I would never go compete with him right. because it was, it would be a bad thing. But now Mr. Jones is not in the business. So a year later, Hey, if I want to walk out and start my own business with a well, couple of Well, I've buddies, seen that, and I've seen two other big scenarios is there's a lot of times family involved, which creates ceilings for other employees that can never get above the family. Correct. So there's that, and then in my own case, I didn't have the capital to take our company where it ultimately went to without the capital, and traditional capital, go borrow it from Mech, was was not available to me or anyone in that bucket. Yeah. So you had to do some other... So, you know, there's there's things that can be achieved and opportunities that open up. Yeah, I, I can tell you with, with every business that I've seen get acquired either through you or through another seller or whatever, there's always opened opportunities for the employees. Even even the banks I've worked with, and I think everyone I've worked with has gotten you know, acquired at some point because that's just the banking world. There's always, at first when it happens, you're always just man, what did, what did the bank do to us? You know, they made a bunch yeah. of money. You know, that was always a concept. But I can tell you where I am today and being able to start my own business was because some banks got acquired. You yeah, know, and, and you may not have pushed you. You were comfortable and you may not have made that leap. Correct. I probably wouldn't have made that leap, honestly, because, you know, I had a goal. I was retiring at a certain age and, you know, hey, my plan was work right. and stuff like that. I would have probably never started. And it's been one of the biggest wealth builders for me. And it's also allowed me to take my clients to the next level. Mm-hmm. Because when you're working for corporate America, as I call it, you know, they're always handcuffed a little bit. Because sure. you have a profitability number, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and somebody's sitting up in the in the tower looking at you, going like, "How come you aren't making us enough money?" But when you own your own business, it's yours to build, it's yours to have failed too at the same time. So, but you can do the right thing every day, and that's what we always pride mm-hmm. ourselves on. Is no matter as long as I've been in this business, we've always done the right thing for the client. Sometimes, you know, corporate America didn't like what we did, mm-hmm. you know, but we always did. And now that it's my business, I do what I can. Yeah, do I think right that day. is a big part of what sets you apart. And I, I'm a big believer. You know, the 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 big companies shall remain nameless. The the big firms, but it's it's a real corporate cookie cutter approach that has, you know. And I think financial planning in particular is very individualistic to that person and to that situation. 
I mean, it just by nature, it's always going to be that way. Yeah, you, you have to build a plan for that client, you know, especially. And it's for, going to be different for each one. Yeah, especially for wealthier clients. You have to build it. You have to build in the risk, the return wise, and you have to make sure that they understand the plan and how it works. And in, in our business as a whole, the financial planning world is a lot of cookie cutter stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see that. And, oh, I've got a CFP, whatever, whatever uh, the credentials, and really, it's just some chapter in a book. Yeah, and they teach you cookie-cutter stuff, and you can follow the plan, and this is a plan. Well, that doesn't work in the real world because everybody, everybody has different things that go on in their life. You have to be adaptable to that person's life, and the life changes, you know, and their problems change, and their issues change, and you have to adapt to that. I say, you know, we spend more time doing therapy talks to people than we do anything else mm -hmm. because the money, you know, we can – that's easy. It's all the other stuff that comes into life that, you know, it's the family. It's uh, money brings issues is what oh, I always yeah, say. Yeah. And it brings issues that people don't think about. And the longer I work here, there is not a perfect dilemma for that. Those other issues, you know, <laughs> yeah. because you've got kids that need money. You have grandkids that need money and some of them need more money than New others. New friends and family. Yeah, exactly. You didn't know, you but didn't now they know, need money. Now, you know, we always <laughs> laugh that a lot of winners are the worst clients we have because they friends got I me. Mean, friends come out of the graveyard and come, yeah, yeah, yeah. come uh, find them, you know? So you really have to be aware of all that. Mm -hmm. For okay. sure. For sure. Well, um, why don't you tell people maybe, you know, how you find, for life and what's the, you know, the process that isn't cumbersome. I know it's not. And and what I like is, you know, you managed money for me and I don't really, I mean, we, we went through the risk profile. Now, you know, I, I've known you a long time, so it probably wouldn't be at, you know, be a little bit more cumbersome to go through a new client. But I don't, the, the, the other thing I think the big benefit of having managed money is you just, you don't worry. It's not my bucket. Correct. Particularly Correct. while you're still running the business too. Correct. It's even more, you know, because, and protecting from yourself. Yeah. I mean, the, the first part we start with every investor out there, or prospects, my new that comes with us, they call the office. Uh, basically we do what we call a fit meeting and the fit meeting is just to make sure that our process fits what you're looking for. Okay. And I want to make sure that we're a good fit for each other because if we're not, yeah. it's not going to work because I don't take clients on. We don't do transactions. Everything's long-term. Mm -hmm. I'm building your plan for the next 30, 40, 50 years, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I'm setting those goals out there financially. Now, the first meeting is just basic concepts and mm -hmm. see what people are looking for. A lot of times they don't know what they're looking for, yeah. you know, and especially, yeah, especially business, business owners. Business owners are the worst. They're the worst. They know they need a plan. But to or say, they think they might need a plan. Yeah, that's usually that's, where they that's start. It, that's it. So <laughs> it's like, okay, let's let's dig. All I want is 45 minutes of your time. Mm -hmm. And let's look at what have you done good, what have you done bad, and then what are we what are we trying to accomplish here? You know? Mm -hmm. And then start from there. And then we take that, go back and build them a plan based on what they what they feel they need. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then come back to them and you know, talk to them about, you know, how do we create enough wealth for them to be able to exit and be able to do all the things they want to do if it's time to do that. You know, and it's very, it's very laid back. It's very non-threatening is what it amounts to. And I don't ever take it personally if somebody says, Hey, I don't want to do this yet. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes we, we, we talk to somebody or we just follow up with them every year for five or six years. And then all of a sudden it clicks and goes like, Hey, I need that guy's help. And we're there for them. Okay. Now the way you reach us, we have an office in New Braunfels. We have an office in Victoria, Texas. Uh, our number is 361 233 
888-888-0087. If you call that, one of the team members is going to answer the phone. They're going to take down some basic information, and then one of the financial planners will follow up with you to get more in debt, and then either I or somebody on the team will visit with you a little more in debt. Well, cool. Well, is there anything we missed, you think? No, nah, I think <laughs> we, was... covered, we covered a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah, we did It's cover. like me and you seem to be able to talk a long time about stuff, and hopefully this was interesting to people, and, you know, people will take. I tell everybody, if nothing else, I want to be educational people. The business has been good to me, but I want to help educate people so at least understand what the future brings for them. And I yeah, think that's, that's what I'm important. trying to accomplish the next life. You know, it, life's about optionality. You know, it's about having options and knowing what those options are is the first step. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't know, then you you don't know what you don't know. That's that's a yeah. concept. You know, and we try to work well with their CPAs or attorneys so that we can do all that. And we just kind of say, hey, we're going to be the coach. We're going to present you with these ideals, and then we're going to talk to CPAs and attorneys. But we don't give tax advice or you know legal advice, but at least we can. Make them understand, help them understand those and then legal attached with that. I guess it's a risk risk profile, and a, yeah. it's been so long since I've yeah, no, out we do stuff. we do a risk profile to figure out what the risks are. Because I mean, there's nothing wrong with having no risk because I don't want any risk. It's okay, but then we have to have more money because we're not going to get. The yeah, return. you just got to adjust that measurement, don't you? Say so, yeah. okay, well, inflation's X and zero risk is three percent or whatever it is, two percent now and. That's, yeah. that's, that's you're, you're gonna, you'll run out here or you won't, you yeah. know, because we all know, you know, it used to be, and when we were kids, a million dollars was a lot of money. And if you saw somebody without a million dollars, man, you're just like, man, they're wealthy. Millionaire. Yeah. They're a millionaire. They're great. Now it's not, it's hard. To, it's, I'm, I'm hoping I can get you through a retirement at a million dollars. It's what it amounts to. Just depend on what year and depends know. on how old you are, things like that. Cause if you're 70, yeah, I'm golden. If you're 55 or 60, yeah, you're going to have to work a few more years is what it amounts mm-hmm. to. So it's just having a big enough bucket so that you can, you can live your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool.